This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, episode 198. There exists in the far reaches of the galaxy a band of adventurers who soar the gulf of time and space between movies. With their time-traveling starship, this group of retronauts passes through the decades at warp speed, embarking on strange and wondrous missions to explore the sci-fi and fantasy films of the 90s, 80s, 70s, and beyond. There's the seasoned and grizzled first mate, Steve McDonald, the eager and naive new recruit, Evan David, and the intrepid captain, Ben Avery. These are the Strangers and Aliens Retro Movie Missions. Mission 3, Flash Gordon. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Strangers and Aliens. And not only welcome to another episode of Strangers and Aliens, welcome to another mission from the Retro Knots. I am Captain Ben T. Avery. Not really. I'm Ben G. Avery, but uh, I am the captain of this starshipy kind of thing that we are sitting on. And I am here with Sergeant Steve Sarge McDonald. Arg. And is Benson. it a pirate ship? No. Oh. No. Then not Arg, I guess. I don't know. Well, what? This is a time traveling movie ship. Come on, man. Oh, okay. Get uh, with the program, eh? Uh, oh, yes, sir. No, sir. Anything you say, sir. And Ensign Evan David. Oh, boy. It's me, Ensign Evan. That's right. Our intrepid and naive Ensign. <laughs> so excited I'm to be the, here. I am the strong tell. and sexy captain. <laughs> and here we have the Steve. Grizzled. What you guys don't see is that somehow Ben gets his shirt off in every episode. And it's, it yeah. happens. It's usually in battle with, with some form of strangely suited monster. Yep. But, and the, the choreography is so-so. Um, yeah. And, and it involves moves that, in all honesty... Let's 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 just face the facts. If I was doing those moves against a actual human being, it would not do any good. But fortunately, a giant flying two footed leap kick to the monster's shoulder. That's that's its weak spot right there. Absolutely. That's the the, the two handed judo chop. Yes, that works. Yes. Wonders. That, you know, there's just certain moves that you just learn work when you're a sci-fi captain like me. Absolutely. Or or the the one where you're on the floor and you just throw yourself and your fist up and you miss the guy's face by two feet, but he still goes flying backwards. I don't know what you're talking about there. Um, I do know that I'm not wearing a shirt right now. Oh, okay. actually, I, I am wearing well, a shirt right now. I, I feel I feel actually very uncomfortable even saying. That I'm not wearing a shirt. We, That's we how uncomfortable feel I feel about taking off my shirt. So, um, yeah, I think we need to leave that element of our private life alone. Yes, very good. Okay. So, Captain, yes. where are we headed this time? <laughs> where are we headed this time? We are headed back to uh, 1980, Evan. 1980. Hmm. Uh, I was known as Benji Avery in 1980. I was six years old. Steven was known as Steve 
Little Stevie Wonder. Little Stevie, the Wonderkind. He was uh, 19, 20, <laughs> around in there. 23. 23, yeah. No, no, no. And, and, and Evan... Evan, you 13. were you were two decades away from being born. Yeah. I was one decade away from being born. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. Whatever. So, uh, so here we are. Though we're going to be heading back to 1980 to watch the <laughs> Dino De Laurentiis produced epic Flash Gordon. Epic mm. Flash. Mm. Ah. ah. He'll save every one of us. I heard the song in the last mission. I'm still not excited. Flash. Ah. <laughs> He'll save every one of us. Oh. So this <laughs> this movie. Uh, He's pro- just a man. <laughs> <laughs> produced by Dino De Laurentiis, who is a producer behind many big movies. Probably one of his biggest, if not the biggest, was King Kong. Uh, it was written by Lorenzo Semple Jr. You have probably seen his work. He is the writer behind the Batman 66 movie. Nice. He also wrote King Kong as well. Uh, and <laughs> music by a band you may have heard of. A little band. Evan. Queen. Okay. And when I say music by Queen... I do not mean, Evan, they did a couple songs, you know, one that appears in the movie and two that appear in the end credits. They did the whole thing? They did the whole thing. Okay. So, you know. That's kind of cool. If this is a response to Star Wars, this is them saying, you know, what if Star Wars had a soundtrack that includes actual rock musicians instead of a composer like John Williams. <laughs> yeah. This movie yeah. <laughs> stars Max von Cito. Do you know Max von Cito? No. No? You don't? No. Oh, well. I don't think so. Uh, was he in? He was the knight in Seventh Seal. Uh, I haven't well, seen that either. Yeah, that's one you need to watch. But not as part of this. That's one that I'd like to watch with you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's a. It's old. It's black and white. It's very artsy. Uh, I don't want to say much more. <laughs> uh, Alrighty. And then it also stars as the title character Sam J. Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Who. I know as the Highwayman. Do you remember the Highwayman? Steve, come on. Uh, Tell me you remember highwayman. the Highwayman. It was the it was basically the Road Warrior ripoff that was a TV series late nope. 80s junior high missed for it. me. Missed it. I think that his partner was the guy who was the we're going to surprise you with the new energizer. Boy. <laughs> remember that guy? The um the, from the the Energizer commercials. Yeah, yeah. Knock it off my shoulder, that guy. Yeah, yeah. What's his name? Oh, I don't know. Should I look something. it up? There's something. <laughs> it's a guy. He was popular. He was popular because he was Australian. Yeah. Uh, and he wasn't Crocodile Dundee. I think that was his claim to fame. Yeah, but maybe I'm I think wrong he has a tattoo that. across his stomach that says, Not Crocodile Dundee. I might be wrong about that, but I, I seem to remember that guy. 
being in that show. I'd like to see that show again. But yeah, so Sam Jones, this is uh, his breakout role. Of course, his star turn. <laughs> he, he didn't do a lot of very big things after that, but he was, no. he's famous for being him. He's famous for being in this movie, really, is what it comes down to. Uh, yeah, so I don't know how else. Let's see. We should probably talk about the background of the character then. Because this is, you know, these are all people. These are names. These mean nothing without context. And the context right. of this movie goes back way back to what, the 30s. Well, the 20s, if you really, you know, I mean, he wouldn't exist unless there was Buck Rogers. Yes, yes. So, because was it King Feature Syndicate that needed a Buck Rogers hit? I think it was King, yeah. And I know that they went after John Carter and weren't able to get it from Edgar Rice Burroughs. So they went in-house and asked Alex Raymond Mm -hmm. to develop a character that would be their answer to Buck Rogers. And Alex Raymond came up with Flash. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to happen every time. Almost. I think so. Almost, yeah. The the big difference between Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon is Buck Rogers, uh, he, the earliest uh, iteration of the mythos, he fell asleep in a cave and yeah. he woke up, uh, I think it had something to do with gas and he woke up roughly 500 years later and had his adventures in the far flung future. Say that five times fast. And then with flash Gordon, something comes to earth and he, he becomes, goes there. He goes yeah. to space. Yeah. He goes into space to combat the earth thing. And then is able to have similar adventures just 500 years earlier than than Buck Rogers. And and so those two, Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon, they were both made into cereals. Not that you eat, but I think I actually might give you a homework assignment here, Evan. Okay. This, This won't get its own report. Well, maybe it could. But on the DVD, there is one episode of the 1936 serial. Okay. It's chapter one, Planet of Peril. And when you watch these old serials, you will see where George Lucas gets a lot oh, yeah. of his style yeah. and even some specifics. I was watching, I can't remember the serial now. I think it was Phantom, was it Phantom Planet? Oh, I wish I, I wish I could remember because they had, they actually called something a Phantom Menace in it. <laughs> and... They had this whole sequence where there's a submarine that gets attacked by a giant fish. And it's clearly it's a tiny submarine in a water tank and it gets attacked by this giant fish. But then that giant fish gets attacked by another fish. <laughs> now, they don't say there's always a bigger fish. But, you know, and then also the wipes and transitions and then the scrolling words. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, these are well, all I, things. I know that, you know, we would not have Star Wars without Flash Gordon. This Absolutely. is This is what George Lucas wanted to make. And he couldn't, and so he just heavily drew from it for Star Wars. And he heavily drew from a lot. I mean, he... Oh, yeah. I I won't say that Star Wars is a Flash Gordon ripoff. I'll say that Star Wars is absolutely a synthesis of a lot of stuff that George George Lucas had had consumed. Yeah, and but, he stole from lots of things. I mean, if, if you want to say stole. I mean, he, he a lot of his elements are... I mean, Tatooine is... The planet Arrakis, Dune. You know, it's there's so many different things that he, he took from other places, um, but 
Dune, you know, Dune uh, produced by Dino Del Lantres. Oh, there you go. But, you know, what is writing fantasy? How many people come up with something that's so completely original in all its parts that you can say, oh, yes, this person came up with something new? Right, so, right. You know, I mean, some people I, might say steal. Other people might say borrowed. You know. I mean, even, even uh, Narnia and Middle Earth draw oh, yeah. heavily from mythology yeah. and, and fairy tales. So yeah. uh, you, you, even those two, uh, probably Middle Earth would be the one that people would be most likely to point at as something completely original. But no, no, not, not completely. Just no. synthesized in a new way yeah, and in a, in a refreshing way. So anyway, Flash Gordon drew from Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars drew from Flash Gordon, but we would not be holding this movie in my hand right here if it had not been for Star Wars. Right. right. Uh, this is one of those that studios started looking, okay, what do we got? What do we got that we can pull on? What do we have? And of course, Universal, somehow they said, Flash Gordon, let's make it happen. And let's get Queen to do the soundtrack. <laughs> How did they ever get Queen to do the soundtrack? I don't know. That's that is something I'd be very curious. Uh, maybe that's something to, to research while we are traveling through traveling, time. Traveling, yeah, and space. traveling through the movie. Uh, the director is Mike Hodges, uh, who I've never oh, heard good of. Old Mike Hodges, yeah, never, never heard of him. Uh, he did a lot of TV, I think, and every single movie. On his his list on IMDb, I have no idea. <laughs> I have not. Morons from outer space. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They made a movie about me. I, yep. Go ahead. I don't know, man. <laughs> Black Rainbow. Oh boy, yeah. And yeah, he so, hasn't made a movie since two thousand three. Well, you know, he's born in nineteen thirty two. So the this is this is a gentleman who is not young uh, yes. today. He, he probably grew up on Flash Gordon. So, yeah. <laughs> Evan, are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's just. Let's I, I'm just curious how, like many of my, how many of my reports are going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys know, okay. I, I don't know. Well, I think you guys know. I love to watch the. Uh, the top 10 lists, you know, uh, if you guys haven't checked out watch mojo, uh, on YouTube, great YouTube channel. You guys would love a lot of their stuff. Maybe the top 10 lists of pretty much everything you can make a top 10 list about a lot of, a lot of media stuff. They do like the top 10 toys of like the 1980s, 1970s, 1990s, all that stuff. They do movies. They did a top 10 list for the top 10 worst uses of green screen effects ever. Nice. And this movie was on there. So how dare they? Yeah, you know Labyrinth Gordon. Labyrinth is on there too. So I just came in there with that foreknowledge. So weren't weren't they using blue screens at the time? Is it like green screen or blue screen? They're virtually the same thing. I know, Uh, but still, I was just trying. Well, so yeah, I I I kind of know what I'm getting into visually here. It's just I I don't know what I'm getting into. Screen screenplay, uh, acting, those. Uh, I am, I am though. I am excited to hear Queen's soundtrack. So that is kind of cool. 
But yeah, mm. let's just let's just do it. Let's just get it over with. Okay, so here's how we do this. This movie is one hour and fifty two minutes long. That makes it a hundred and twelve minutes. Is that right? Am I doing my math right? What? Hundred fifty? Yeah, yeah. Hundred twelve. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so here is how this is going to work. When we do our retro movie reviews and when we transform ourselves by putting on our retronaut uniforms, as retronauts, we go out, we go on our mission, but we make mission reports every so often. And so from the start of this movie, every 25 minutes, we are going to call in a report. That means we stop the movie right at the 25-minute mark, at the 50-minute mark, at the 75-minute mark, at the 100-minute mark, and then we'll do one final one at the 112. Okay? Okay. All right. Okay. And you don't need to do a you don't need to call in a a report, but be ready to talk about that that serial episode too when we when we come come back to to have our final discussion here. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Oh man, you know bracing myself. <laughs> hey Steve, this name's yeah. not going to mean anything to Evan, but Brian Blessed. Brian Blessed, does that mean anything to you? Um, no. Okay. It should he's not. He's, no. a, he's a British actor. He's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Okay. But he plays Prince Volton. Volton. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Brian Blessed. Okay. Yes, yes. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Nice. This is going to be awesome. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, here we go. All right. Both feet. Hey, guys. Be careful out there. Captain's log report number one. Uh, zero to 25 minutes of Flash Gordon. So here's where we are. Uh, here's what's happened so far in the movie. It starts out with two disembodied voices, Ming and Clytus, and they talk about their newest intergalactic target, which is Earth. But before Annihilation, Ming, he likes to play with things. I don't know exactly what that means, uh, but in this particular case, I guess it means he's going to cause horrible earthquakes, hurricanes, and hot hail. I Yes, hot hail. Meanwhile, um, football player... Flash Gordon and um, Dale Arden, a travel agent, I think. They're on a plane to return home from their vacations in the mountains. Uh, they weren't together, but they're leaving together. And the plane runs into some bad weather that's being caused by Ming the Merciless. And the, uh, the pilots somehow disappear as the plane flies into Ming the Merciless's face. And yes, in my notes, I just wrote down did they just fly into ming's face and then the pilots just disappear uh so flash sits down in the pilot seat because he's learning to be a pilot and he and dale crash land the plane and just happen to crash land the plane in dr zarkoff's greenhouse uh which is attached to his laboratory where he also sleeps and has built a rocket uh, Dr. Zarkov, by the way, is a scientist who is widely considered by most people uh, as a crazy lunatic 
who believes Earth is being attacked or will be attacked by aliens and who has built a rocket, uh, I guess originally intended to use the rocket uh, for peace but uh, and friendship, I think was the phrase that he used. But instead, uh, he has to go and find out who are these invading aliens. He needs help. And so um, to pilot the rocket and he tries to get his science partner to help him fly the ship. His science partner will not help him fly the ship. So he actually uses a gun and threatens his science partner and who runs away. And then he uses trickery and force to get Flash Gordon and Dale Arden onto his rocket to help him pilot the rocket. They pilot into the Imperial Vortex, which is this paint swirl in space, and they lay it, crash land on a planet that I guess is in the middle of this vortex, and they are taken prisoner, and they find a police state. And Zarkov believes that uh, just by looking at them, just a glance, he can see that no one wants to be controlled by Ming, and so he believes that these people are looking for someone who can lead them in revolt. Dale, on the other hand, just wants to get home, and they are brought into this huge, giant throne room, the court of Ming, where they witness various tribes bringing tribute to Ming. And uh, this is where we meet the the Hawkmen and, and some other people. One of the planet's princes, princes uh, Prince Thun, uh, they can't give tribute because Ming bombed the, the their land recently, and they have nothing to give except for loyalty. And Clytus says, well, that's the greatest thing you can give. And Ming wants him to prove his loyalty. And so to prove his loyalty, he is asked to fall on his sword. Thun climbs the stairs, and instead of falling on his sword, he turns his sword on Ming, who freezes him and then kills him. And Flash notes that Ming is a psycho. His words are heard by a nearby robot who repeats the words, and Ming demands to know who said that. And that's where we end our 25 minutes here. And I have to say that up until the throne room, and even in the throne room, I didn't remember any of this stuff. Now, I knew the song. I, I know the song well. But the opening credits are are wonderful. They are wonderful. It's just, it's, now this is before the, dis- or after rather, the disembodied voices. But I love these opening credits. Why? Because, and I don't remember any of this. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention the last last time I watched this. Now I'm trying to remember when was the last time I watched this. But Queen's themes playing, and while the theme's playing, the the credits pop up here and there, and you see various images of destruction. But more than that, you see original comic artwork, and it is it's just fun. Now. It's reminding me why I like classic Flash Gordon because I like that retro future. And I like, you know, in some ways, the further back you go away from current day and you see these, you know, visions of the future with rocket ships and and ray guns and all that kind of stuff. It's all here. It's all on display. It looks so, so cool. And, you know, when we actually get into the movie and you see the actual rocket ship they're going to use to get to the planet – 
It looks stupid. I don't remember that rocket ship looking so stupid. Now, I do remember the bad weather uh, forcing them to land, but I don't remember the pilots disappearing. I don't remember Ming's face just showing up as they fly. No, now that I think of it, I do remember it. But I have to say, I, I, I think it's been 20 years since I've seen this movie now. No, no, no. I was married. I'm, I'm, I'm remembering the place where I was sitting when I watched this movie last time I watched this movie. And I was it was when I was first married, so not quite 20 years ago. I thought I'd watched it since then. I thought I watched it a couple times since then. But my memory, I don't remember this stuff. I just don't. And, and I don't know if it's because it's just not – it's just – kind of dumb I, I don't know i don't know and the dialogue here is kind of poor uh you have the good guy scientist is he a good guy you know tevya i mean zarkov it's tevya from fiddle on the roof but he's he's pulling a gun on his assistant and his assistant runs away because he doesn't want to help fly the rocket because he believes that's a suicide mission and so he pulls his gun on him and says, you're going to help me fly the rocket. And his, his assistant runs away and he yells, why are you running away? Well, maybe it's because there's hot hail falling down and my boss has just pulled a gun on me. That's not good leadership. That's not good management, by the way. To, you wanna, when you want to get someone on your team to you know, do something that needs to be done, some sort of task, pulling a gun on them is quite possibly the, the last thing you should ever try doing. Now – when I say quite possibly the last thing, I, I will admit that I do believe Zarkov is not evil. He might be a little bit crazy, but he's not evil. He's pulling his gun on his partner, and then he's also even attacking. I mean, he's he's hitting Flash. He's hitting him on the back of the neck with the, the butt of the, the gun. And he's doing this, though, because he wants to save the Earth. You know, he even says, I mean, this is... Yeah, this is totally Star Trek 2, Star Trek 3, Star Trek 4 stuff where it's, you know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. He's saying, you know, if if one person has to die so billions can be saved, so be it. But it just it feels off-putting. Um another thing that's off-putting, <laughs> the costume design uh or lack thereof for many of the women characters that are showing up here in the in the movie. Um but the set design, it's huge, it's big, it's bright, it's colorful, and you can see what they're trying to do with with this. But at the same time, whew, I it's gaudy. That's a, probably the best word for it. It's gaudy. And the special effects, boy, I, I'm going to let Evan talk about the special effects. I don't know if he's going to, but I'm pretty certain that he is going to. So I'll let him do that. In the meantime, I'm going to watch the next 25 minutes of the movie. Oh, and you know how we know Prince Thune is royalty? Well, you can tell by looking at the sword. He bleeds blue blood. This is Evan's log for 25 minutes into Flash Gordon. And uh, it's not quite as bad as I thought it might be. I It's weird, but I expected it to be weird, and it is living up to it. Uh, first, uh, first, I want to say I really enjoyed the opening credits. I thought it was kind of cool. Kind of like a, a Spider-Man 2 sort of opening, a retro Spider-Man 2 sort of opening. Uh, yeah, the first part where they're on the Earth 
this kind of goofy kind of like it kind of reminded me of like a the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sort of thing. My wife is gasping at me because that's like her favorite movie of all time. But the tone of it is uh, is reminding me of that. Uh, some very scientific uh, some jargon that the news anchors were reporting on the intergalactical upsets that were happening. Very interesting. Uh, random lizard man got vaporized. Uh, there are Thanagarians from DC Comics in here. So that's kind of cool. And I'm happy to see the uh, the Nazi bad guy from The Rocketeer has also made an appearance. Uh, the costumes, some of them are kind of cool. And some of them are kind of weird, but uh, it's it's like a mix between... It's like a mix between Star Wars, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Power Rangers with the costuming here. So, all right, I'm going to keep watching. It's not as bad as I thought it would be. I like the Queen music at the beginning. It's kind of cool. Um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to keep pressing forward. All right. First 25 minutes of Flash Gordon. And uh, let's see. I gotta say that the best thing so far is uh, the music, um, because well, the music and I guess the hot hail, which is just awesome. I'd like to see some hot hail, but uh, that's beside the point, I guess. Anyway, um, the uh, the 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 setup we get here is one of those things where it is more set up than. I think is really necessary. Um, it's, it's just not well written. It's just to get these people to the places where they need to be so they can get to the next place where they need to be. Um, and you have all these things happening and it just happens to be to these people. So, uh, it's not an auspicious, auspicious beginning. Uh, but you do get to, to start to see, I mean, Max von Sydow is, you know, you can just start to understand where he's coming from and, and how he's just holding on to the the role of Ming. And uh, he's just not going to let that go. So that's that's some fun stuff there. Um, uh, I guess one of the, the things that was unfortunate was uh, Thun, or I guess Thun, um, in the cartoon version anyway, I won't go that much into it, but in the cartoon version he has a, a much larger role and in this one, it's just sort of a, a quickie, you know, just for a point to get uh, that character in and out as quick as possible, I guess. But, um, you know, getting to the throne room and getting to, to start to understand that this is, you know, it's it's a, an entire culture. It's an entire uh, civilization with multiple species and multiple races and everything like that. So going back to the older Flash Gordon motifs um, you know, and and seeing where, uh, you know, George Lucas among others got his uh, his impetus to to do the you know different planets, you know, as different things the the wooded planet and the snow planet and the this planet and the that planet, um, and it's nice to see them still using those things even though by this time it, there's been two Star Wars movies out, um, so I don't know. Uh, cool so far. Uh, could be cooler, but you know it's just set up like a lot of other movies. You know, very similar. Um, and uh, the best is yet to come. 
So that's my first 25-minute uh, blast. Flash Gordon log number two. And I don't remember so much of this movie. This is... <laughs> um, so uh, from 26 minutes to 50 minutes... Um, here's what happens. It, this is a brisk movie. They are trying to do a, an awful lot of stuff. And so Ming meets our trio of heroes and he is smitten with Dale. Uh, Ming's daughter, Aura is smitten with flash. Um, nobody's really smitten with, with Zarkov, but, um, so Ming meets them, confronts them and uses his weird, ring thing to make Dale feel pleasure, I guess. And she really responds to it. And he really responds to that. And then we move from that into, well, let's call it Chekhov's Fabergé eggs. Uh, they're there as part of the tribute from at least one of the tribes, maybe more. Um, but that leads us into the football fight scene. This I remember. I, I don't know how anyone can forget this, but um, it's a fight scene where some guards come in and they look like they're wearing football helmets and pads. Um, it, yeah, it, not not perfectly, but but close to it. And the fight scene goes on for a little bit too long, but Flash Gordon uses football tactics. He throws these egg things at people's heads and chests and stuff. And uh, Dale does get in on the fight. She actually gets in a couple good kicks. Uh, Zarkov helps Flash by tossing him Fabergé egg things. They're, they're metal. They're not, they're, they're not delicate. But he, he tosses them to Flash, and Flash turns and uses them. But then one hits him on the head. Zarkov knocks Flash out. The fight is done. And so Zarkov is going to be sent to be conditioned. Dale is being prepared for their pleasure and Flash is to be executed publicly. And then we get a dungeon scene with Dale and Flash. And, you know, they haven't known each other very much, but they sure can be melodramatic about their love. Um, and and they do. They get very melodramatic about it. Then we go to the execution scene, which they put him in this dome, and it fills up with green smoke. And it's a disturbing image. Um, as Flash goes into the dome, he gives everyone the stink eye. Uh, Dale cries and faints i mean this whole movie so far she's just been crying and crying and scared about this and wanting help about that and she is no lois lane and you know you want to talk about reinventing things uh for modern audiences uh, dale being like this in the comics i could understand as a product of its time but this is not that time this this movie here is you know it's the 80s now it's the early 80s but it's the 80s so you won't be surprised if you haven't seen the movie and you're still listening to this you won't be surprised to find out that the execution does not go as planned flash gordon does not die aura ming's daughter has saved flash and so she helps him escape ming conditions zarkov by emptying his mind we also find out that every thousand years, Ming goes around to all the life 
uh, the, the planets that have life in the galaxy and checks to see if they're still ignorant and stupid and not dangerous or if they are dangerous. Earth is now considered dangerous, and that means annihilation. And when they erase his... Uh, <laughs> sorry, before I move to that, I did, I did see this one note here, uh, that when he sees that something is dangerous, he calls on the great god Dyson. I don't remember any of that great god stuff from before. I'm, it's Part of this is almost like watching it for the first time. and It, it really almost is. So we witness, as they are erasing Zarkov's mind, we witness his life in reverse, sort of. We go from point A, or rather, we go from point E to point D to point C to point B. But as we're going backwards, we're also witnessing things forward because we see the beginning of a scene that moves forward. But anyway, we witness uh, Zarkov's resignation from not NASA because they don't believe him about needing the rocket to go up into space because there's a planet coming or something. We see the death of his wife, and this is interesting. Uh, it's just a weird, weird death. They're at a party at a pool, and some men come, and they toss her into the water, and it seems like it's kind of pranky kind of thing, but then she's, like, face down, and then we cut from that right into a funeral. So a party prank seems to be what killed his wife, and... Uh, and then we're in the Holocaust. It's World War II. And Zarkov's family is part of this Holocaust. And there's all these weird imageries of, of tiger faces and owl heads and eagle heads. And then there's there's Hitler. And then it goes all the way to the womb, pre-birth. It's, it's weird. So then we, we go from that to seeing Dale as the concubine and... Um, they're preparing her for Ming, and they bring her a drink, and she says, this will make it better. And Dale says, will it make me forget? And the lady says, no, but it'll make you not mind remembering. That's horrible. I mean, I understand where it's coming from, but how awful. Uh, then Flash telepathically contacts Dale as he is being just constantly, constantly, Ara is trying to to seduce him, and even as he is mentally talking to the woman that he actually loves, uh, Ara is just like kissing him, and it's it's wild. Um, it's just <laughs> everything, everyone on this world is is preoccupied with sex. It seems. I mean, you've got Ara accuses Clytus of being obsessed with her. Clytus then goes to this witch woman who's going to use the machine that's going to empty Zarkov's brain. And, you know, when he leaves, he puts his hand under her chin and this is very, you know, there's a relationship there. Aura has tricked a doctor to help her to save Flash. And the doctor says, you, are we going to meet the same place for our, our two nights together or whatever? I mean, everyone is, is just – and then the costume design is, as well. Uh, so when I say everyone, maybe I'm, I mean the filmmakers are just obsessed, obsessed with it. Um yeah. So anyway, uh, the, this 25 minutes ends with Ming coming into the room to see his his concubine. Uh, but she seems to have tricked one of the slaves by making her drink the drink. And I again, I don't remember what's going on here. This these 25 minutes have been stopping at some nice cliffhanger type things because he walks in and there's a body in this you know luxurious pillow bed place. 
um, wearing the robes that she was wearing or the, the gown that she was wearing. It's kind of a bridal gown almost. Uh, but the, the head is covered up. We can't see who it is. So anyway, <laughs> there's some uh, I had forgotten so much about this. This movie, the, the creature design. There's these lizard people. It's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. It's so dumb. You know, imagine a person wearing a snake mask, but their face is in the mouth. And, you know, you see it. it's Serpentor, you know, from G.I. Joe. Or it's, um, you know, some sort of uh, Egyptian-looking thing where the face would be in in the, the, the mouth. And the mouth, you know, there's actually fangs that go down, you know, and... I can picture this as a mask where you'd have eyes that you would try to hide, but they don't do that. Instead, the face is right there and it's red and it's weird and it's just awful. But then there's the masks of the costumes that are meant to be masks, you know, ceremonial wear and that kind of thing. Those are kind of cool. I mean, there's some really cool costume design going on in some places and in other places, just really stupid. Uh, And I will say this, that uh, Flash Gordon as he's being led to his execution, you know, it's equal opportunity with the skimpy outfits and he's wearing just this, these leather shorts, but yeah, it's, <laughs> there's, <laughs> I had forgotten so much about this movie and the stuff that I remembered was stuff that's so bad that it's kind of good, but the stuff that I didn't remember, oh, whoo boy. So I'm very curious what Evan's thinking right now. And, and Steve too. I, I I can't wait to hear what they what they both have to say. So that said, here's Evan and Steve, and I'm going to continue watching the next 25 minutes of the movie. Okay, Evan's log. We are now 50 minutes into the film, and I've reached the conclusion that this is really stupid. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's also um, really kind of perverted. Uh, it's, yeah, it's just, you know, some movies have that, uh, you know, they, they have that sexual stuff in it. But this is just kind of just weird. It's kind of like just different than that. It's just kind of like weird and perverted to me anyway. That's what it's coming across as. Um, okay, let's see. Some things that stuck out to me. Uh, uh, right after the last 25 minutes, you know, he's looking over at all the girls in their Princess Leia bikinis, and the love interest has the gall to say to him, hey, remember me? You've known each other for literally five minutes. You, yeah, five minutes. You were on that plane, you crashed, you were in the rocket, that's the only amount of time you've known each other, and there was some mild flirting going on. And that was it. So, whatever. Watermelon egg football. Yep, that happened. Um, The dialogue in this movie is just terrible. At least the dialogue coming out of Flash Gordon's mouth and whenever he, especially when he was tied up in the dungeon, having the love dialogue with, what is his name, Dale? Oh, oh, that was, yeah. Uh, okay. This kingdom throws really nice funerals, uh, and, you know, for, for public executioned, uh, enemies of the state. And they gave him a really nice plaque and everything. Um, okay, let's see, let's see, let's see. 
I don't know if they're going to elaborate any more on the doctor's memory wipe thing. Did he murder a lady and throw her into the pool? Was was that what we were seeing? I was she was she dead, but then swimming, but then decided just no, I'm just going to give up and just die face down in this pool. I don't know. I don't know what I was seeing. There was some Hitler stuff going on. Um, I assume that means he's he went through World War Two. I was just kind of confused a little bit. Mostly with the lady in the pool. I didn't really get what that was all about. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I said, it's kind of perverted. The secret pleasure moon. There's lots of pleasure moons and planets and palaces and there's concubine stuff happening. And yeah, it's just, just over the top weird sexual stuff. I'm not liking the one thing I do like and every time it comes on the screen I say to myself that's kind of cool is that gold mask guy his costume is just kind of neat and I feel like if they put him in like a modern movie or if even if he was a character in Star Wars that's just a sweet looking guy I'd play with that action figure I'm just saying okay I'm gonna keep watching it's not like I'm not screaming and throwing stuff at my TV yet, which was what I was expecting with how Ben was hyping this thing. I'm just kind of weirded out, a little bit grossed out, and yeah, just kind of put off by the whole thing. So we'll see if it gets any better. I mean, I'm currently at the scene where Ming is in his giant bed, and he just unbuckled his belt. So I guess I'll keep watching it. We'll see what happens. Okay. Okay, Flash Gordon, minutes 20, I guess 26 to 50. And we have uh, interesting switching around of the, uh, the the romantic roles here. You know, all of a sudden um, you have Dale being, you know, attractive to Ming and that whole starting of the thing there with her going into the harem, whatever. Um, and you have Aura, uh, you know, being attracted to Flash for some reason. I don't know. Maybe the uh, the egg football fight or <laughs> put it over. I don't know exactly. But, um, yeah, that was not, uh, not one of the best uh, cinematic scenes in history. Um, it's kind of interesting that they're, you know, using his actual physical abilities his sports you know related abilities to to get this done but it's you know it, it, it would be much better you know visually i guess if, if he was like a baseball player and he picked up something and was using it as a bat or you know a hockey stick and was able to use it in you know multiple ways or something but you know throwing football shaped eggs or football sized eggs i don't know it's uh it's one of those things where you, you don't you don't forget it <laughs> But you're not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, so we uh, moving on from there. Uh, that whole scene is, I guess, you know, one one of the the high comedy parts of the film. Uh, and then you're moving on into the the the, the pathos and the the, uh, the looking for love and and all that stuff. And and uh, wow, they fall in love real quick, I guess, on this planet. Um, for better or for worse, I mean, I guess it wouldn't be the film that we uh, know and enjoy if it, you know, if, if things were 
different enough, I guess. Um, Ming being thousands of years old is an interesting take on it. Uh, he says he, you know, goes around it to all the different planets every thousand years. It sort of makes you wonder how many planets there are that he's, you know, it takes him a thousand years to do it, or I don't know, maybe he, they're on some sort of a schedule where he goes visits one a year. I don't know. It seems like a lot of planets. Um, and a lot of years for Ming to be around, uh, you know, he does have that, that sense of being ancient while still being, uh, you know, strong, a strong person, but still, you know, like, not like Yoda was in Empire Strikes Back. You know, he seemed feeble. He seemed old. Here you have someone who's, you know, older than Yoda, but uh, obviously still capable, physically capable of handling himself. Um, Zarkov's uh, mind drain is, I guess it's it's the way to humanize him, to give him some sort of history that we now can sort of sympathize with him. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much that works. Um, but it's interesting that uh, it, it goes back to the Holocaust and it goes back to Hitler. Uh, in the... The, the cartoon movie, um, I'm not sure if anyone listening has actually seen the cartoon movie. It's different than the, the serialized version that was on TV. I won't go that much into it, but it starts in uh, World War II. And, you know, Dale and Flash, you know, and Zarkov are coming out of World War II. And Ming is supplying Hitler with weapons and things like that. So it's kind of interesting that they still have that link. I don't know how... Uh, these two things fed off of it, or three things, I guess, the cartoon movie, the cartoon uh, TV show, and then the the actual movie. I'm not sure how much uh, interpollination they had, but uh, you are getting, obviously, there's a sense of some, you know, something being there that, that, uh, that the filmmakers still wanted to use. So um, that's kind of interesting. Uh you know, brings us up to the heroes uh, being in different places. Uh, you know, now they're going to have to come back together. And that's, I guess that's what the next 25 minutes is going to be all about. So see you then. We're at the 75 minute mark now. And uh, now we're, we're getting all the stuff that I, remember not all the stuff but some of the stuff no like i guess i didn't remember that dale arden fights like a ninja as she's escaping and that, that's nice actually that's that's a nice change but it's totally out of character they've built a character and then they completely do a reverse on it making her helpless and then completely self-sufficient which i don't mind the self-sufficient i just wish they'd be consistent um so she escapes. Agent Zarkov is activated because he's been, you know, his mind has been wiped and now he's been reconditioned. Um, but Dale is allowed to escape with him because they are going to go and help find Flash. She is going to find him. Um, and Zarkov would then report back, except that Zarkov has not had his mind wiped because the human spirit can't be stopped. Unless you're stopping the human spirit by sending Hawkmen to capture them. And so they're 
carried over to the Hawkman's floating palace thing, and they try to convince Voltan to join in the rebellion. Meanwhile, uh, Flash and Aura are on a, a, a forest world. I mean, it's it's like Endor. It reminds me of Endor, but it doesn't remind me of the Endor from the movie. It reminds me of the plastic tree set that I had that had like plastic um, wood floors that you know connected these three trees. It's so stiff. All of the these sets, they're grand and they're big and they're expensive and they're broad, but they're stiff and they're unrealistic. And so are the puppets. <laughs> and there's two puppets in this segment, both on the forest world. And one is part of an initiation to manhood that ends in the death of the boy who has to put his hand into a tree stump thing. And inside is a scorpion thing. And uh, he fails the initiation. And uh, then we... So Aura leaves Baron, or leaves Flash with Baron, her lover, who's also the prince of the forest people. And after she leaves, Flash tries to get Baron to team up, which is the phrase he keeps using. But instead, he's lowered into the swamp with some other prisoners in a cage. And it's a it's an interesting concept. I mean, there's so many things in this that are just interesting concepts, but just things they couldn't follow through on. I mean, the the, some of the design of the planets and stuff like that, they're, they're neat. But then they look really foolish when you have this little fantastic voyage submarine-looking rocket ship flying through them. It just... And I should be more excited about a rocket ship like that, but it just doesn't quite hit the mark. So anyway, uh, Flash is then... They trick him into escaping into a sacred spot where that tree stump thing is and so baron timothy dalton yes james bond it challenges him into the initiation of the scorpion puppet and it's a russian roulette kind of russian roulette kind of thing where they stick their hands in one at a time they take turns and each time they pull their hand out have they been stung by the scorpion no until flash gordon um, sticks his hand in pretends to be stung and then as he's told that he's going to go insane and that uh you know baron says i won't kill you unless you ask me to and flash says okay end it before this ends me and then he steals baron's sword and escapes into the swamp and gets attacked by this giant thing that comes up from the ground and it's so close all the effects are so close to being cool they just don't quite cut it but baron uh helps him escape this monster that you know it's it's tentacles it's spider legs coming up from the ground and uh baron just you know shoots them and they they go back into the earth and baron's about to shoot flash but the hawkmen have come and they take both of them away uh meanwhile back at the the villain's place um Clytus tells Ming that Flash has survived due to a traitor. Ming gives him permission to pursue the traitor. That traitor, of course, is Aura, who is then tortured in order to give Flash up. And Ming's totally watching, and he's, like, munching on something like popcorn almost. And uh, then he sends Clytus off to go and get Flash. And, yeah, so the bad guys, they're coming. But before they get there, 
we get a reunion with Flash and Dale, and they have some witty banter about, you know, at first, the last time I saw you, I hoped it was a dream, and now I hope it's not, you know, that kind of thing. And um, <laughs> there's this line of dialogue where Dale says, I've got some crazy stories to tell you, and Flash says, save them for our kids. And <laughs> we're back to girly stereotype Dale Ooh, I accept. And they pull her away. She says, hey, I just got engaged, you know. But um, Baron demands trial by combat. And this is another scene that I, I really remember. Again, there's stuff here. That that swamp monster, you know, that, that comes out of the ground. I don't remember that, that stuff. But um, this trial by combat, I do remember. And the 75 minutes ends right here. Again, th- there's some pretty good end spots with each of these 25-minute segments. But... Uh, they're on a circular uh, platform that's above. Well, it's just a, above nothing. Just, you you'll fall into the the vortex sky that's around, and that's actually a nice element there where they're able to jump from moon to moon, and they're not actually going from planet to planet uh, through space. They're going from moon to moon. That's inside this swirling imperial vortex. Uh, it's a neat idea that allows them to be able to do these things like be in this floating castle and not need to have, you know, spacesuits on or whatever. The problem is it doesn't look great. It, it just looks really, really poor. Um, and it, it's really poor green screen is what it comes down to. The, the swirling effects themselves and, like I said, some of the planet designs are neat. But anyway, this is uh, suspended over that, but then Voltan, ha- Voltan has a remote control device that tilts this circular platform and then also has spikes that come up and down and make it that much more dangerous and then they have whips that they're fighting each other with it's it's really interesting it's kind of a cool scene a cool uh you know set piece um i i i know they both both of them don't die i mean timothy dalton he's he's james bond he's not gonna die uh, Volton, Brian Blessed, uh, I remember him from this, but I also, he played something similar in, a character similar to this in, in uh, Black Adder, I think, and uh, those are the things I remember him being in. Uh, anyway, it's, it's, um, it is what it is. It is what it is, and I, I have to say I'm enjoying myself. At least there's that much to this. I'm enjoying myself. Uh, but recommending this movie boy i (laughs) again very curious what evan and steve have to say well it's been another 25 minutes and uh flash and the prince are fighting on a rotating spiky uh arena thing I'm seeing some of the Star Wars similarities here with the Ewok village that the prince is from. Um, I mentioned Thanagarians earlier. Hawkman is literally in this movie. At least that's what Flash Gordon calls him in the, in the swamp cage. Hawkman, he's in there. Some more Star Wars stuff with the giant Sarlacc pit sort of thing. I tried to eat flash and laser crossbows. Um, uh, yeah, let's see. What else can I talk about? Uh, Clayton from Tarzan is in this movie. Uh, what's his name? What's the actor's name? His name is 
Brian Blessed. Yeah, he plays the lead Hawkman chief. He also plays Clayton in in the animated Disney version of Tarzan. So that's kind of neat. Got him in here. We got Nazi guy from the Rocketeer, which you should probably be watching instead of this movie. Um, I will say the stump beast scene was kind of cool. I don't know about cool. Cool is too strong of a word. It was intense. It well, no, it wasn't. It was suspenseful. Let's say that. And yeah, it, it was genuine suspense, and you kind of like that. But it's in the it's suspense like a jack in the box is suspense. There's not much depth to it, uh, but it's still gonna. It still has the ability to put you ill at ease and keep you on the edge of your seat. Uh, and lastly, I just want to repeat what I said about this love dialogue. Good grief. Give me Anakin and Padme any day of the week. Any day of the week. This is, this is terrible. And the character development. Oh, <laughs> what am I saying? <laughs> there is no character development. At least not with that romance. If you can call it that. Okay. I'm going to keep watching. I haven't, I haven't turned it off yet. Uh, it got, it got less pervy after that last, uh, that last 25 minutes. So, okay, we're going to keep watching. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get through this movie alive. All right. See you on the other side. All right. Wow. Uh, this is, uh, uh, minutes 51 to 75. And here we go. This is sort of like downloading the, uh, the extra characters. We have the, uh, the, the Hawkman and we have the, you know, Baron and his men. And we have, um, you know, it's, it's, it's like, here's, here's everybody, you know, is Voltan and Baron and, and, you know, here you go. And then you have also, of course, the, you know the, the 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 two people who apparently have loved each other since before they met each other or something because <laughs> they're uh, they're really really into this love thing. So um, it's uh, it just it, it almost seems like you need to introduce the characters. And then you need to move so quickly to them being romantically linked because in the comic strip, of course, you know, early on in the comic strip, you have them introduced and then for the rest of the comic strip, they're romantically linked. So, um, you know, trying to play that fine line, I think they failed um, because it just seems like too quick that they're just in love or alternately cheerleading for each other. Um, And also uh, Dale being, it it seems as though it goes real quick from her being in the, uh, you know, uh, helpless stage in the harem to uh, being able to, you know, get out and and fight for herself and fight for her own. Um, and you know, I think that's another thing that happens when you have these things, these types of movies, where it's taken from a, a source that is so broad and wide that you need to. I guess they figured you need to take some liberties with the 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 time 
that it would take for people to do these things. Uh, Buck Rogers, which came around or about around the same time, a couple years before, um, that was interesting because it took Wilma Deering and put her in the 25th century. Obviously, that's where she was from in the, in the comic strip as well. And just, you know, made her a warrior. She was one of the best starfighters. She was, you know, she's the one that, that addresses him when, when as they're, as she's leading the, the him down to New Chicago. You know, so she is, is put forth immediately as someone who's capable, someone who's a capable warrior, um, like she was in the, in the comic strip. Here we have Dale being introduced as the femme fatale, or not the femme fatale, that would be a wrong term for her, um, as the, the you know damsel in distress. And very quickly she is, you know, now she's Wilma Deering. Um, so, you know, for better or for worse, it's, it's one of those things where if you're watching this and you love Flash Gordon, you're going to gloss over that. You're just going to, oh, obviously they're romantically linked. Oh, obviously she's, she's you know, she knows how to handle herself um, because you've read the comic strips for 50 years. Um, it, if you're looking at it objectively, uh, I don't know. I don't think it holds together very well. Uh, but anyway, we get to the, the point of, um, you know, the, the, the people are together uh, for the most part and the bad guys are... Uh, getting stuff put into action and uh, it looks like it's going to be a really interesting next 25 minutes. So uh, don't go anywhere, Flash Gordon fans. You're going to hear the wedding march played on the electric guitar. Okay, here's my report from minute 75 to minute 100. Um... This is getting a little tedious, a little hard to watch. I'm watching the timer and thinking about other things that I, I could be watching right now. Um, it's losing its luster. The honeymoon's over. Uh, the honeymoon's over before the wedding's even begun. That's that's what's happening here. <laughs> so, uh, quick plot overview. I don't know if I... There's so much stuff just happening. I, uh, there's just so much stuff just... It just happens, and it happens because it has to happen, because that's what the story needs to happen, not because of any reasons that actually make sense, but uh, Flash and Baron, they end their fight as friends when Baron realizes that Flash really does want to help stop Ming, but Voltan of the Hawkmen isn't interested in teaming up. In fact, um, when Clytus arrives and enters Voltan's flying palace alone, which is pretty foolish, because... Um, he doesn't have anyone to back him up. He just starts barking orders and telling them what to do. And Baron and Flash team up, kill Clytus. And Volton realizes that that means a death sentence for his people. Clytus died on his palace, his world, and they're all going to be killed when Ming finds out. So he evacuates, leaves Flash, Dale, Zarkov, and Baron to die. And Ming arrives then quickly and has a talk with Flash, offering him a devil's deal. But when Flash refuses, Ming destroys a floating palace with Flash on it. The end... Oh, no, wait, no. Surprisingly, Flash is actually able to escape, but not before Dale believes him to be dead and once more professes her love for him and sheds multiple tears for him. And, uh, yeah, you know, I don't I don't advocate um, binge drinking or anything like that. I don't I really don't advocate alcohol. I mean, it's just not not a thing for me. And but, um, you know, the whole drinking game thing, 
this would be the epitome of of that drinking game idea where every time Dale shouts out Flash's name, she just does it so much, so much, and she professes her love for him so much. And, you know, they just met on the airplane. They just met on the airplane before all this started to happen. They've known each other for, what, a couple days? And they haven't even been with each other the whole time. I mean, they've both been captured and kept away from the other person. But we're supposed to believe that they're so in love. And uh, Anyway, Volton, he, Volton, whatever, how you say his name, he's been regretting that he took the coward's way out. And just after he says, I do things different, but it's too late because he can't help a dead man, Flash contacts him from the rocket cycle that he used to escape the floating palace. They're friends now. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is all about... Maybe that's one of the themes. It's all about friendship and how easy it is to make friends when you're fighting a common enemy and how easy it is to fall in love when you're thrust into a situation where the only two people from the same planet... I I don't know. Um, the rocket cycle, by the way, looks like... Uh, rejected He-Man and the Masters of the Universe toy. Uh, and actually, there's a lot of things that just remind me of He-Man here. Uh, He-Man, it actually feels like He-Man ripped off quite a bit from from not just Flash Gordon in general, but this movie specifically. Um, the only thing that's kind of keeping me going here, uh, there's, there's two things that they brought back a little bit of spark. One is Brian Blessed who plays Volton. I mean, he is scenery chewing at the extreme, but at the same time, he's getting tedious. He's getting tedious because he just, he's playing everything at one note, which is loud, loud and laughing. Anyway, they're friends. And, uh, meanwhile, for some reason, I don't know why aura is brought to Dale's pillow prison and, they get into a fight, of course, because Dale's upset about Aura causing all the troubles, and Aura's trying to convince her, hey, it's not my fault. I'm going to be exiled because of all the bad things that I did against Ming, and I don't like him. He's, he's my dad, but I finally know what he's like, and blah, blah, blah. They get in a fight. It's a pillow fight, and Dale once more shows that she has ninja-like fighting skills, this time with pillows, and the rage-infused pillow fight ends when they suddenly become best friends and aura gains dale's trust and aura gives dale some poison to put in the power potion that aura's father ming always drinks before he makes love yep that was in the movie and now it's time to get ready for the wedding meanwhile flash baits a spaceship to follow him into a cloud and behind the cloud is the hawkman's army and they attack the spaceship and they're going to use that to fly in and the hawk people are going to fly in behind the spaceship and they're going to use that to to get into the uh, you know Ming's palace and so there's this huge really slow battle and the wedding starts and uh they then fly in and they're shooting and and the one other thing that just kind of gave me a spark of you know I kind of remember the beginning of this movie why I was kind of liking it uh is there's there's a rocket ship that goes by in the background through you can see it through the giant window of the the palace uh where they're gonna have the wedding and 
it says all people will make merry and then they cut away and they're doing other stuff when they cut back to it there's another rocket ship and it's just again it's like not the skywriters but you know the airplanes that will carry like the huge banners behind them over the big cities or along the beach uh you know in LA where you have just you know lots and lots and lots of people uh who are just going to see it you know and they advertise something so it says all citizens will make merry and then the cut away they come back and the next one says um on pain of death and i kind of laughed a little bit at that but um you know that's that's just a glimmer i'm regretting this one man i'm regretting this one (laughs) i hope evan is uh, oh i i don't know um maybe i'll still get some joy out of his reaction maybe but um yeah i mean there's just lines like flash gordon is approaching and then the <laughs> person that they're reporting to says what do you mean flash gordon's approaching uh, i just i want mystery science theater that's what i want i want i want the the guys sitting there you know to say we mean flash gordon's approaching you know just that kind of thing and the thing is as they're attacking the spaceship why are hawk people using a ladder like there's this long 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 stretch of this short six foot wall and on top of that is a fence and then there's you know this walkway there and they're all running to the one ladder in the middle of it to go up and go in behind the little you know short railway like you can just fly up the six feet and go over the rail you don't have to climb the ladder they have wings they have wings uh stuff happening stuff happening this is the last stretch right here. I think there's... Oh, I'm looking at the timer. It looks like there's just 10 minutes left. So maybe maybe it'll be better. <laughs> maybe. Uh, or maybe not. Guys, I'm back. It's another, been another 25 minutes. And shortly into this 25-minute segment... They killed my favorite character, so I was less invested in the film. It's just, yeah, it's just more of the more of the stuff. Here's here's what I'm gonna say here. This is a bad movie, and it's it's bad in close to almost all senses of the word. But okay. Batman and Robin is also a bad movie, but it's, it's fun bad. Like I have an enjoyable time watching that movie cause it's so bad. It's just fun to watch it. This one is not to me. And maybe, maybe it's cause I'm watching it by myself and there's nobody to look, you know, back and forth with. Uh, and and give each other you know the look like what in the world are we watching? Maybe I don't know. I'm it's just bad. It's just bad. Um. All right. Some other things I noticed. Okay. Are are we in space? Are we supposed to be in space here? Because I mean, there's it doesn't look like space, and nobody needs helmets. Uh, we, we apparently need spaceships sometimes. Other times we can ride, you know, jet skis through the space. And there's clouds, nebulae maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Um, 
Okay, and okay, and then then there's some more like. Sl- okay, they have a pillow fight. They have the the two you know attractive female leads literally have a pillow fight in bed, and this is just more that sleazy. I'm not gonna call that necessarily pervy, but it's it's. It's like the aftertaste of what we've already got in the first part of this movie that yeah, it just seems really blech, is what it hits me with. Um, these are really terrible visual effects. And I, I'm saying that and I'm watching this and I'm thinking to myself, you know, could I, could I do better than this? And I don't know if you guys know, I, I do visual effects and stuff for a living. That's what I do. I'm a I'm a video producer at two different places and I, you know, specialize in after effects. I use heavy green screen stuff and what I do and different visual effects and things. And I'm okay, so I'm calling this bad and I'm thinking to myself, can I do better? I think I can, but also, you know, I have a small green screen, I have limited limited amount of resources. I can at least match this quality. And once again, I know it's older, but you know, this is after Star Wars, and Star Wars visual effects are just kicking these visual effects in the teeth. Um, okay, let's see what else here. <laughs> they literally play the bridal march. Okay, so they're aliens, they're cosmic beings, and they're playing the exact bridal march that we have here on the Earth. It, you know, whatever, whatever. That's a nitpick because there's lots of other things I could say about this. Oh, yeah, okay, my last thing I'm going to say before we continue on with the film is that the deaths and the laser beams are just, they're just random. It's like we have this, we have this toy box full of sci-fi effects that we could do, and we're, you know, they're all kind of cool, and instead of, you know, having rules in this universe in this movie we're just gonna we're just gonna mix and match them here we're you know this one looked cool we're gonna put this in this scene oh this one looks sweet let's put that with that scene you know we have what's my favorite guy gold mask guy he would just randomly his eyes just pop out of his in his tongue just start oozing out of his head why i don't know just because it's probably kind of cool um, and then we have, you know, the lady, the evil lady who was helping him, her, him torture that girl. She gets shot with a laser beam. And then two seconds later, oh, let's just have her melt. Let's have her melt into tar. That's kind of cool. And then you, know, you pull that guy's goggles off his face. Oh, yeah, let's have the gory, you know, eye circuits sticking out. It's like it's like season three of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're just, we're just, let's pull out all the different gory effects that we can do, and we'll just do one every, every new episode. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's, all right. I'm just going to keep watching. Here we go. All right. Wow. Here we go. Now we get some actioning on the screen with action and stuff. Wow. It's, uh. Um, yeah, this is a, this is, this is a really interesting, uh, 25 minutes. Um, we have a, a, a pillow fight in the middle of a science fiction movie. Um, I'm not sure what, uh, what that's all about, but anyway, um, interesting part of this part of the movie, this is, is get, getting right up to the end near, near the end. And we have, um, the, this 
amazing. I mean, it must be amazing because it's apparently the only warship in Ming's fleet. It's the only one. And it has a name. It's War Rocket Ajax. So we get this uh, huge uh, rocket that uh, Flash quickly hijacks <clears throat> and um, and just you know flies back into the into the wedding. Um, interesting thing about War Rocket Ajax is uh, that a Christian band took the name War Rocket Ajax back in the '90s. Uh, I don't know what they've done since then. Um, put out a couple of really good albums, uh, like punk, but, uh, not, not, uh, like 90s punk. Um, but very good, very, very good. I, I enjoy, uh, their stuff. If anybody knows, uh, who those guys are and, you know, wants to tell them that, uh, I'm giving them a plug, hey, there you go. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, this is another one of those, um, guilty pleasure type movies where upon looking at it objectively, it's, um, it's, uh, not as, <laughs> not as pleasurable, I guess, as it is guilty. Um, as you know, watching it as an adult, you're, I'm seeing a lot more of the, uh, uh, the, you know, the, the sensual, uh, and even you know deeper overtones that are, are being uh, put you know put out there on the screen. Um, so you know I'm, I'm not sure if I'm gonna you know let my kids watch it again uh, now that they're older <laughs> because they might be picking up other things than they did when they were a couple years ago. Um, but uh, you know it's it's a it's a product of its time I think. Um, you know you. You ha- I mean, even with the Buck Rogers, Buck was you know, very much the Lothario. And, uh, you know, you could tell that there was uh, special women in his life and things like that. And Wilma was always giving him the, you know, the raised eyebrow and things like that. So, you know, I, th- I think we're looking at something. It's, it's a product of the 70s, very early 80s. And, uh, you know, you mix some Flash Gordon in there liberally or I don't know how – much Flash Gordon is in there and the actual story. But uh, there you have it. And um, here we go, working our way up into the uh, the, the ultimate... Uh, the, the, I don't know if anyone can guess what's going to happen next. It's, ooh, I don't know. It's up there. It's out there. Who knows? But anyway, there we go. There's uh, I don't even know what minutes these are. So <clears throat> hope we can uh, sort that out. And it's done. <laughs> so this is my final log report before we go back to uh, the starship or whatever it is that we're on. I don't even remember. But whatever it is that we're on to do our missions with the mission thing, um, this is my last report. And you know, this last 10 minutes made up for the previous 25. I was very happy. It's just all of a sudden done. Uh, and... You know, I, one thing I forgot, there's some weird deaths here, and you've got, you know, just the whole wedding and the absurdity there, and um, a final battle, and the ship comes crashing in. So here's what you have. You have the wedding, Flash Gordon is zooming in on the ship, and he is trying to get through the lightning stuff, the li- lightning shield, and it's kind of funny because Zarkov and, and Baron kind of have an argument about, can we get the shield shut off in time, or 
and, and Baron says, well, it's six miles below. You can't get to it. Then he goes down the hall, and Zarkov says, there must be a way to do it. Starts pressing buttons, but you know, Baron just runs down the hall and shoots some people and shuts it down himself. So the guy who said it couldn't be done isn't planning to do it, but he goes down the hall and does it, while Zarkov, who wants to get it done and starts trying to do it, can't do it. So it's kind of funny, you know, and... So the ship doesn't crash, you know, Flash Gordon's ship doesn't crash. Instead, he, well, he crashes into the palace, but not into the shield. And, of course, he just goes right into the, that window where we saw the banners going by and just hit the, the little pointy antenna nose of the rocket spears Ming perfectly in the chest. And it's just, it's goofy, it's ridiculous, and... It redeems that last 25 minutes where I was just feeling like this is getting a little tedious. And I think there's there's part of the problem here is I needed to be watching this with someone. That is why this was getting tedious. This is the kind of thing you need to laugh at with friends and laugh with with friends. Because Flash Gordon doesn't want to take you – Flash Gordon doesn't want you to take it seriously. I, I believe that this movie is intended to be laughed at and intended to be – enjoyed and have fun with it and you know the the spectacle of things but it's just it was hard for a minute there but i'm i'm back it's back uh i'll we'll we'll talk more about it but yeah it's just all of a sudden it's done and it's a happy ending and it's a celebration it's a you know it's a shakespeare comedy ending where everyone gets married at the end and they don't all get married but you can see they're going to Flash and Dale, they've already talked about this earlier. Um, Baron and Aura, they're going to get married for real, you know. And um, it's it, it's it's a Shakespeare comedy ending, or it's that style of ending where it's just everything's happy, everyone's happy. There's, oh, maybe Ming will return because, you know, he's dead, but he's not dead. And uh, But uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the parting shot, of course, is the Hawkman flying away and forming the words, thanks, Flash, in the sky. And Yeah, you're laughing with it. That's the stuff that I guess I just feel like maybe the movie could have had more of that to string me along in that sagging, you know, third quarter or whatever. Fourth quarter? Whatever it is. So let's hear from Evan and Steve. And then we will move on. Well, it's over now. I finished it. And, yes, it was a movie. It was a PG movie. Even though we saw this guy totally get impaled with lots of green blood. You know, I... I I don't know what to say about about this movie cuz going in, you know, based on what I had, you know, heard in the past and what I heard from Ben and Steve, I knew it was going to be a bad movie. And then watching it, I was not disappointed. It was a bad movie in my opinion. Um and yeah, there's, I don't think there's much else to say. I, I'm sure that we'll talk about some more stuff in the, uh, the debrief. But, uh, for me, I think, I think I've said everything I wanted to say about the film. Um, 
Yeah, so, okay, I guess I'll talk t- with the guys back on our starship. This is Ensign Evan, over and out. All right, I think uh, if you had to title this last part, it would be, oh yeah, Zarkov's a part of this movie. Um, we uh, finally get to see what, what the, you know our, our favorite mad scientist is doing. And... Um, it's you know just one of those things so <laughs> i think it's just better to just wrap it all up you know and uh flash uh impossibly flies this ship that he's never had any experience flying spaceships before and uh, is able to uh thread the needle literally of uh, ming's heart and you know yay ming is dead roll credits or is he dead so you know, I guess when Flash Gordon 2 comes out, we'll find out uh, what really happened there. Um, but, yeah, it's um, it's one of those movies. Um, I, you know, and I think one of the one of the reasons why it's such a, you know, a, a cult classic and, and a fun one to talk about and, and to maybe not do this way is that I remember, you know, sitting around my, you know, the, my buddy's apartment and, and would laugh and it would just be something we could just have fun with. And, uh, you know, it was, it, the, the, there wasn't, there wasn't anything that was really nasty or anything about it. A couple of bad words here and there, but nothing terrible. Um, and everything else is just hinted at or, you know, innuendo. So it wasn't the type of thing where you would feel guilty for actually watching something that you shouldn't have. It was just more guilty that you were you know, taking any kind of pleasure in this hot mess up on the screen. <laughs> but you know, being and being able to be with someone to watch it and to experience it together, I think that's the catharsis, you know, that we're looking for sometimes when we're looking at movies like this. So. Um, as much as I enjoy doing these, uh, I'm not sure if it's the best way to do it. I think it would be better personally. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think it would be better if, you know, we could all get together and sit down and watch some of these movies together and then be able to, you know, show Evan the funny stuff that we're seeing before he has to watch the entire movie and then hear about it later from us. But, uh, this is an interesting way of doing it too. So it's, uh, uh, you know, half a dozen of one, six of the other. And um, so there you have it. Is Ming dead? Who knows? We'll never know, I guess, because nothing was ever made to wrap it all up. Except that question mark. And who knows? Those question marks, they'll get you every time. Anyway, that's uh, that's me. I'm signing off. And um, there you go. Have fun watching it if you're going to. And if you're not, then maybe... Maybe you're the better person. Who knows? Let us know. Okay, so that's that. Gentlemen, we're back together <sighs> again. Um, How are you doing, Evan? I'm still alive. <laughs> uh, yeah. My clothes are a little singed, but I'm fine. Uh... <laughs> Nice. Well, okay. you guys, we, we've heard, I mean, yeah. You, you've heard my heart, Evan. I have. You've heard my heart. 
I almost feel bad about this one. <laughs> almost being the keyword there. So did you guys like enjoy this when it first came out? I didn't see it when it first came out. I huh? knew of it when it first came out. And huh? I wanted to see it when it first came out. And I had a comic book that went along with it when it first came out. And I thought that, you know, Cletus was cool and He's like, the gold mask guy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is. And there was just I wanted this to be really, really good. And then I saw it, I don't know, it would have been college, I think, before I saw it. And watched it a couple times and yeah. He was the one cool part about this movie. Like, consi- <laughs> seriously, consistently, every time he came on the screen, I'm like, that is a cool-looking dude. And then he died stupidly. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, but as I was watching it this time around, again, you've heard my heart, so. Yeah. <laughs> and now so has the world. Yeah, I, I really think there are some movies that are just a bad movie, and they only get good when you're watching them and are able to ridicule them with friends. Yes. And, and I think, and you know, I, I think that's the difference here is I kind of knew what to expect, even though there was stuff that was new for me this time around. But the first time I watched it, uh, I remember, I mean, there's, there's this level of discovery and unraveling, <laughs> you know, where you're just like, did that just, what, wait. And then, you know, this time around, I'm, waiting for the stuff and it's not uh yeah <laughs> yeah this this one in napoleon dynamite would be a good double feature <laughs> i don't know what you mean by good but I'm well sure. it'd be entertaining if you're hanging out with your buddies if you're not hanging out with your buddies and you plan to do that as a double feature it could be constituted as a form of torture this <laughs> i just mm. yeah i made it through though i made it There's... through there's some things you can't unsee. Mm. And I guess that would be everything that you can see. But sometimes, you know, in retrospect, it would be better to have not seen something. So you don't have to have this, you know, commiseration <laughs> that uh, that a lot of us, you know, yeah. hey, let's watch that really bad movie again. Remember the first time, a couple of times we watched it? <laughs> You know, that type of a... Well, this time around, it just was not... There's, there was a serious loss of joy this time around. <laughs> to the point where I stopped looking forward to hearing what Evan was going to think. Like, how is this going to torture Evan just yep. a little bit more? Yeah. And yep. started thinking through... Uh, I got bored, honestly. I, I got bored. Uh, so did I. Yeah. So did so, I, Ben. So, Evan... But we can all agree it's not great. Evan, where would you rank this with Labyrinth and the Black Hole? Oh, please give me Labyrinth. <laughs> please. Excellent. Please give me give me the Black Hole. I'll watch it twice. I'll watch it twice. But you see, three, here's three Flash, times if I have to. Flash Gordon and Black Hole, both studios responding to Star Wars and saying we got to get something on yeah. that on that train right there. Yeah, and we want some of that gravy. Yeah, yeah. And I, but it's, it's uh, like you, you you watch Flash Gordon, and it's like all that butter, no toast. Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I I, I hear you. 
I hear you. Um, and this is definitely one, if you've not witnessed it, go for it. Just make sure you're you're ready. If we haven't and, prepared you at this point, then I don't know what. Yeah. Bring, would. bring friends. Lots um, of maybe not your girlfriend. Food. Unless she's a really, really good sport. Bring a book. But bring your buddies you go do stupid stuff with. And, <laughs> and watch it. Yeah, this was painful this time. All right. Well, any redeeming values here? Any spiritual themes? <laughs> that... I'm too uh... weary to even think about that. <laughs> there well, was that whole team up thing. You know, yeah, we're, we're stronger yeah, yeah. together than apart. Together. We should come together and put aside our <clears throat> petty differences and team up. Of course, there only were two people who joined the team, or two groupings, I guess, that joined the team. And even then, it was pretty much just the Hawkmen who were in the battle at the end. Well, it was interesting because in the cartoon, I'm sorry if I keep going back to it, um, you have much more of that uh, that feeling that these are people who are oppressed by Ming. And these are people who... Uh, you know, are being oppressed on, on multiple levels and they have no voice. They have no way to get out of this. And it's being equated to, uh, you know, the, the Third Reich. And you're seeing these parallels and you're like, wait a minute, this is, you know, the, the one man that's going to come and, and liberate them or, or, you know, join them together. This is, uh, you know, maybe even a symbol of America. You know, as as he comes and and he's the one that he's he's now drawn into the battle like we were at Pearl Harbor. You know, Ming just went a little too far and, and attacked the Earth. You know, so now now we have to do this. We have to be part of this. And see, I would be more accepting, I think, of this as a more serious story if mm-hmm. that was the tack it was trying to take. In fact, I mean, that I could see being one of those people complain about. You know, the great white hero who comes mm-hmm. in and is able to outdo everyone and, right. and win every battle, you know. But if we had that character who was the quote-unquote great white hero coming through and uniting all the people together, that's I, there's an element of that here, but I think that'd be even more of an exciting... Because if you're taking this idea of he's going from place to place to place, an adventure here, an adventure here, an adventure here, but all these adventures are like gathering allies... Mm-hmm. And he's not the greatest hero, but he's the one who people are rallying behind because he's the only one who's standing. Right. You know, but the, that's another thing for another. That's that's not this movie at all. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. Well, OK. So my recommendation would be read the comic strips. Absolutely. Yeah, because they're fantastic. I mean, they're, they're gorgeous, too. Some of them are yeah. so beautiful. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's less science than this movie had, even. But, <laughs> yeah. I don't and, know. you know, I did watch one of the extras on the DVD. I don't know if you guys did. With um, the writer. Uh, I can't remember his name now. But the, he he worked on the Batman movie from 1966. And he he okay. d- did a lot of things with Dino DeLartes, where he, he I think he worked on the script for King Kong and things like that. He basically said, if you can accept at the beginning of the movie that our heroes just happened to crash their plane next to a place 
where there's a rocket ship <laughs> and, the, you know, then this movie is for you. But if you can't accept that, you know, and, and my, my coincidence radar does go up when that happens, but I'm willing to give, you know, that initial coincidence sometimes as long as there's some more to it than just, oh, we happen to crash here. Um, and I don't know what happened to those pilots. Yeah. I mean, they pass through Ming's head. What's going on there either? I mean, there's just so much stuff going on that just isn't even trying to make sense. Right. That, you know, you, you accept the absurdity of it, but then there's just that, that, that stretch where I was just, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's like, right why movie. is this happening? Yeah. Because movie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> next scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do any of us recommend this? No. No. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even wait for me to say no. We Sorry. Feel, we feel so, I feel so deflated right now. I, I just feel like we have this impression of, uh, I just, we're coming in. I ripped my shirt again, you know? Like, that's how I feel right now. <laughs> so, okay. Well, we've done this to you, Evan. Three movies in a row now. Yes. It's your turn. <laughs> it's your turn, Evan. Our next, our next movie mission is of your picking. Actually, it's of Steve's picking. Whoa. I'm just going to give him the options. Oh, okay. And I'm going to be vague. Like I be, was, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm going to be super vague. Okay, so you've got two options, Steve. All right. Both these movies were doing the cinematic universe before Marvel was. Okay. okay. They had the TV shows that tie into the movie directly. So, like Marvel has the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. Right. One of them is a campy superhero romp. Okay. <laughs> the other is a more serious and much more sci-fi-y, um, sci- I guess you'd call it sci-fi proper, um, one. And that's all I'm going to give you. Okay, so you have this, the campy superhero romp or the sci-fi E. And they're both, what did you say, linked to Marvel? No, they're not. They're both they, linked to TV shows. Yes. So they share a combined universe with with other TV shows. Um, there's nothing to do with Marvel at all. So this is a movie that, uh, so for instance, one might be, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, because right. it has something to do with the TV. Okay. Right, yes. And my two choices are a a romp, a campy romp. Campy superhero romp and a more serious uh, sci-fi-y type of movie. Hmm. And they have something to do with, like, an actual TV show, or could it be a cartoon? I mean, I, I count both as TV shows. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to go with the campy romp. Okay. You have chosen Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. The movie. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Steve. Wow. Here's the thing. I, I know what both of these were going to be because I've been, I've had this used against me as a threat. What was the other one? I'm not going to say. We'll save it. I'm just well, going to say, ben Steve. Knows. Steve. Yes. The other one's not any better. 
Yes, it is, Ben. <laughs> it is so much better. They are the same. No, they are not even close. You, you, you did not choose wrong, but you did not choose right. Whatever. Ow. Not even close. All right, can't be romp. Okay. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Not Power Rangers Turbo. The movie. Do not watch that one. And I don't know how we're going to watch this. I don't know where it's available. I know there's like 8,000 Power Rangers series available on Netflix right now. There's no movies? There's so much. And I I, didn't, I don't see any of the movies on, on Netflix. So I, we'll have to look around a little bit and see how we're we'll going to... How we're going to do this. But do you know the running time on this, Evan? Probably an hour and a half. Okay. So we'll probably still do the um, 25-minute check-ins. But we'll, we'll – when we do – when we actually start recording that episode, I think we'll decide that. So, yeah. You're Mighty welcome. Morphin, Power Rangers, the movie from 1995 – is that correct? Yes, I do right. believe so. 1995. Wow. And it is an yeah. hour and 35 minutes. And is, is this is this the one where they fight Shredder? Or is he... Is that is like the second movie? No, that is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Steve. No, but this Wait is... Wait a minute. This is not the cars that come together. This is the lions that come together, right? No. Because... No. Although there is a saber-toothed tiger. What? That's not a lion. And then okay. they all come together, and then one of them says, and I'll form the head. And then... <laughs> no. That is not, that's no. Voltron. Right. It's not the right thing. Oh, is this the one where they all have bird? Like, they're all birds? Yeah, and, and they have like turns this... into a fiery phoenix. That's oh, right. I like this one. Guys I'm just excited. My favorite shows in the whole world. You guys just mad because this was way more popular than any of those things that you are referencing. Actually, yeah, that's I would say... Mm, no, it's true. Maybe. And has yeah. endured for far longer. Yeah. Mm, yeah you're, probably so, right. you're probably right. Yeah. No but accounting that doesn't for make taste. It better. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make it better. Because you can say that all you want, but then you have to say... You know what? Britney Spears sold more albums. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. you could say yeah, I would have to say lots that. Lots and lots of people love this popular thing, and that makes it right and good. Uh, yeah, we'll find of out if it's going to be good or it's not. It's popular for a reason, is all I'm saying. So, when did this movie come out in relation to the TV show? This came out after season two. I think after season two. Because it's after White Ranger is there. Unfortunately, the Green Ranger is not in this movie. Oh, man. Uh, and, uh, is that a good thing? No. Because the Green oh. Ranger had, had the coolest costume and the coolest Megazord. And the coolest weapon. Because he's the guy who he plays the flute. Yep, and, and summons that, Godzilla. And the dragon comes alive. Yeah, so awesome. Yeah. yeah, I'm not coming into this completely ignorant. Oh, I yeah. know, I know. And knows stuff. Rita Repulsa. I know what is it? Uh, uh, bulk and 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 bulk and, and skull. skull. Yeah. Oh, they're they're in here. No, I know I know these people. They're not close friends of mine. In the <laughs> same way that Mark and Jason and Keop and Tiny and Princess would be. All right. But but they're they're acquaintances. Uh, Billy, <laughs> Billy Billy's in this one, right? Billy is in this one. Billy. This is not Billy. the original cast. This is after they've traded out three Power Rangers. 
Is Tr- three, Trini? Is Trini in this? Nope. This is no, after her. No. See, I know these things. Mm-hmm. I know. Is Krang in this one? Oh my goodness! <laughs> All right, I think it's time for us to shut this down, man, because it's late. We're tired, and we just endured through Flash. Ah. Uh, He'll save every one of us from his own movie. Yeah. That's would be the impressive feat. If, yeah, if only he did that. Can Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie? Will it bring us out of the depths here? Oh, I hope so. Or will it sink us down even further? The and then we have to decide if was... if Steve is going to be the one who chooses the next movie because. I've been the one choosing these movies, and mm. I've got my lengthy, lengthy list, but... I'll have to check it out and then come up with my own little rubrics for you guys to choose. Yeah, because yeah, I've, I've got a hankering for some, uh, for some of these movies from my list, and, and uh, the only way I'm going to watch them really is if we do this, so... <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right, I'll check it out. Yeah, and I won't be watching this one alone. Uh, I think some of my kids will be watching this with me. Uh, so, I might even come uh, over unannounced. Hmm, how would we do the? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Steve's suggestion in his in his report, you know, that we watch it together. I just don't know how we would do that exactly. But you eh, can we'll sit see. in front of the same screen while it's running that movie. Easy for maybe Evan and I. Yeah. Not so much for you, Steve. No, but... See, that's... that's, Yeah. I could... You know what I could do? I could get some cardboard cutouts of you guys. And then, you know... I could move your mouths. It's like, hi, everybody! I like this movie! <laughs> Man, you got Evan down just <laughs> yeah, that was Evan. That was a, that's how I, amazing. Yeah, that is how I, have I your talk. Voice, I have your voice, too. Hi! Oh, Ben Avery! <laughs> And I don't like this movie. See, I could do you guys. That's, yeah, yeah. You're spot on. Yeah. And then I, <laughs> then there's, I, I would have to bring my, my sock puppet for you, Steve, to sit with uh, Evan and I, and it would just, hi, uh, Steve, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Here's the non sequitur. Blah 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 is, blah is, blah. Is blah. the is the sock puppet you have of me? Does it have a, another sock stuck in its mouth, or is that just wishful thinking? That's wishful thinking. <laughs> and it has a little bit more hair, I think. <laughs> I like to wear fuzzy socks. So. <laughs> um, no, guys, we'll we'll figure some things out uh, before our next. <laughs> next round here and maybe we should make a a listener request one oh that'd be good the listeners can can give us uh suggestions or somehow get the listeners to determine what the next one will be um i would love to see if listeners could come up with something both better and worse than flash gordon (laughs) or a retro movie that none of us have seen that would be even more interesting because I think everything on the list that I have, I've seen. It's all stuff that I've seen, and that's why I'm bringing it to you. Really, it's to help you experience things. Oh, yes. But that's why you're choosing this one is to allow us to experience something we may not have experienced. Yeah. It's true. And I have not seen this movie. Awesome. This was my first movie. I sat through all the way in the theaters. 
So I'm excited. I just bought it on Amazon, so that's how we'll watch it. That's how I'm I'm borrowing it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll send it to you, Steve. Uh, thanks. That might work. It's a lot. All right. Well, guys, it's time to go. All so, right. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. You are dismissed. You may go to quarters. And I'm going to bed. I'm going to put the, <laughs> put the ship on sleep mode, and we will um, put ourselves into stasis until next time. How's that sound? Sounds good, man. All right. <sighs> oh, man. <laughs> I just want to say to everyone, thank you for listening, and <laughs> it can only go up from here, guys. So, Read the source material. Yeah. And Godspeed. Steve McDonald, and Evan David, Pastor Jason O'Neill Emeritus. Our music is Gold Coast by Jens Kielstofte, available at machinimasound.com. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You may also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com or interact with us at facebook.com slash strangers, or you may leave us a voicemail at the Strangers and Aliens hotline, 1-800-4-37-ALIEN. And once again, thanks for listening.